Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. <coughs> Today we continue our study <coughs> excuse me, of the book of Samuel, the, the one, the uh, Shmuel Aleph, the first book of Samuel. Uh, we continue with chapter 8, uh, and we last read in chapter 7 of the righteous and just rule of Shmuel over the people as the Shofet, which we're translating as judge, but in this context means more of a leader. And, um, and including a, a military leader. And Shmuel was continuing the uh, traditions of, of the Shoftim that of the last several hundred years, which we mostly read about in the book of Shoftim. Now, a reminder, the book of Shoftim, the book of Judges, which we studied together, which preceded this book of Samuel, uh, was a time period where uh, the people had no centralized leadership, and we were reminded of this multiple times during the book of Shoktim, where the book reminded us there was no king, there was no centralized leadership. And when there was a crisis, um, God managed to uh, uh, arrange for a, the appropriate leader to arise to save the people from their enemies. And then that person uh, remained the, the Shofet, the leader, until he passed on. And then everything was quiet until it got messy again. And then another Shofet arose, and so on and so forth. But there was no... Um, Certainly no hereditary uh, leadership and no centralized leadership. And those leaders, if we remember from the book of Shoftim, arose always from a different tribe, a different place, depending on where the need was and so on. Now, Shmuel, as we're going to see soon, is the last, the final of the Shoftim because he's going to lead the transition to a monarchy. And that is what this chapter is going to be about, the beginning of the search for a monarch. Now, um... There are many things in this chapter that cause one to think and are very puzzling. And I'm not going to necessarily um, uh, answer like these questions because uh, often there are no clear answers. It just makes us think. And I'm going to put the questions out there and you could think on your own. Um, if anyone wants to write in the comments their thoughts, that would be very welcome. But... Uh, Vayihi, and it was. This is verse 1, chapter 8. Kasher zokein Shmuel. Shmuel became old. Vayosem es bonov shoftim li Israel, And he appointed, as he was reaching, you know, near the end of his life, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. Now, over here, a judge means leaders, but it also means as an actual judge. Um, uh, and Shmuel, if you remember was raised and taught by his mentor, Eli. And Eli, who was the judge before Shmuel, and who was also the high priest, but Eli's sons were uh, an embarrassment, to say the least. Uh, they were corrupt and, and uh, ended up getting killed, and, the, and Eli's leadership and his family um, suffered a tremendous setback because of it. Now, Shmuel, um, it seems also had some trouble raising his um, children, as we'll see in a moment. His, his firstborn son's name was Yoel, and his second son was named Avia. They were appointed judges in Beersheba. Now, Beersheba is a far-flung settlement, far from the central area where most of the action was taking place. Um, 
the places where Shmuel was, Ramah and Mitzpah, were, you know, roughly the areas of what we would call Judea today and centered, uh, um, uh, you know, in central Israel. And Beersheba was far flung down in the south. So what's significant? This is one of the first questions. There seems to be some significance in the fact that Shmuel sent them to a far-off place to be judges, right? As opposed to leaders. You couldn't lead the people from Beersheba, but maybe he just sent them off to test them out to see if they'd be judges, how they would be. It's not clear. Verse 3, And his children did not go in his ways. Shmuel was, was honest, and, and God-fearing, but his sons didn't choose that path. And they leaned in the uh, direction of looking for prophets. They were interested in making money. So uh, because they were judges, how did they make money? They took bribes, and they twisted justice. As we know, um, is the language that the Torah uses. Do not twist the judgment, do not take shochad. And this verse here is is a throwback to the Torah to remind us of that, that very important rule, but that they did not keep. So they were corrupt. And if sending them to Beersheba <coughs> was some kind of a test, they very much failed the test. The verses don't go into the details as nearly as much as it went into the details with Eli and his sons. With Eli and his sons, we read of how Eli tried to reprimand them, and they didn't listen, um, and and so on. Over here, we don't hear much about what Shmuel's reaction was. So that's another question that I'm going to leave out there for you to think about. That the verses simply don't they don't they don't tell us. They leave that for us to use our imagination. And all of the elders of Israel gathered together and they came to Shmuel at Ramah for a meeting to discuss the future leadership of the people. And they said to him, You are now old. And your sons are not going in your ways. They're dishonest. We're not interested in them taking over after you pass on. Atta, so now it's time. Sima lanu melech, appoint for us a king, l'shaftenu kechol so he can lead us just like all the other nations have a king. A lot has been said of the problem of this verse of kechol like all the other nations. And that is uh, a very important, you know, because it the people of Israel were not meant to be like all the other nations. <coughs> and as we'll see in the, the rest of the dialogue of this chapter, um, that doesn't sit very well with Shmuel, and it doesn't sit very well with God either, because um, they were supposed to be a people that lived, the, the impression that's being given here, and will be uh, emphasized throughout the coming verses, that this is not the way God wanted it to be. God wanted the people to uh, be able to live by God's laws, to live by the um, Torah that he gave them, and to be an example uh, for the other nations to learn from, that one does not need a king, and that, the pe- and that to the extent that there would be a need for leadership to protect the people against enemies, God would make sure that such people would arise, have faith, 
live properly, and you'll be fine. In other words, you will protect your nation by the way you live your lives, not by having a powerful army uh, controlled by a, by a big king. But the people did not want that. And Shmuel did not like this. Shmuel uh, was, was upset about this. Ka'asher Amru, when they said, Give us a king to rule over us. So Shmuel didn't know what to do. So Shmuel went ahead and, and prayed to God. So he, he turns to God. Shmuel was very displeased. Now, why was Shmuel displeased? In a moment, we're going to see that Shmuel was displeased because he felt personally insulted. It was an affront to himself. In other words, Shmuel felt that by asking for a king, they are stating that the style of leader that he was, the type of leadership that he provided, is not the type of leadership that the people wanted. Um, so the, 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 the first thing, God answers him. The way I know, how do I know this? Because when we read God's answer to Shmuel, you can see what God addressed in verse 7. By Yomer Adonai El Shmuel. And God said to Shmuel, Shema B'kol Am, listen to the people. L'chol Yomer to everything they're telling you. Ki lo ma'asu. They are not rejecting you by making this statement. They're, they like your leadership. They're okay with how you lived your lives and how you've helped defend them from the enemies as we've seen in the last chapter and how you've led them honestly and appropriately and leading them back to God and bringing them back to a moral and just life. However, what they are rejecting is they're rejecting me from ruling over them. I didn't want them to have to resort to a king and an army to protect them. I wanted them to look only to me to protect them. And how do you, do you satisfy God? How do you get God to protect you? By living the kind of lives that God commanded you to live. And by thinking that by having a king, what they're doing is they're putting their faith in a physical army as opposed to in a physical king, as opposed to me. It is me that should be insulted, God says. Not you, Shmuel. <laughs> This is just like everything that the people have done. From the day that I took them out of Egypt until today. If I hadn't made it clear, if it didn't, they didn't get the message yet, if I was able to take them out of Egypt without a king, without an army, but nonetheless, they forsook me, and nonetheless they went and they worshipped other gods. This is also what they are doing to you. Now, it seems somewhat to contradict what um, um, uh, uh, what he said before, because he's saying that they actually are insulting you. But but the, what 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 really God is saying here is that it's not a personal. Uh, don't take it personally, because they're not rege- what they're really rejecting. Because when Shmuel led the people, Shmuel didn't lead them by saying. I have the power, I'm the great king, and I'm the strong one, and I'm going to lead the army. Shmuel led them by teaching them to worship God. Shmuel won the last battle by telling them beforehand, devote yourselves to God, and then God will help you. So when God says to Shmuel, they're not, it's not a personal affront to you, right? But rather, this is an affront to that which you preached, which is to worship me. God, right? 
and then when when God is, is saying, so therefore the one who should be insulted is me. Now listen to them, God says. Ah, ki but I want you to warn them carefully and explain to them very clearly exactly how it works, how kings work, what kind of judgments kings do when you appoint a king over them. God didn't specify this, but he understood. <coughs> God knew that Shmuel knew clearly what God meant when he said, tell them what kings do, right? Um, and Shmuel was being followed voluntarily. Shmuel didn't ask for anything, right, uh, from the people. But that's not how it's going to work when you appoint a king. Vayomer Shmuel, in other words, I want you, you go ahead and appoint them a king, but make sure they know beforehand what it takes. This reminds me of, of when a person asks for a, a surgical procedure um, and you have to advise them beforehand, you know, of the risks. Uh, so sometimes if it's a procedure that's necessary, you know, you have to take the risk. But if it's a procedure that's not necessary, you got to tell them everything they need to know. And if they still go ahead and say they want the procedure, okay, but at least you told them all of the potential things that can happen. So that when they do happen, don't come back to me and complain that I never knew. So God says, go ahead and appoint them a king. And this is another one of those questions in this chapter that, uh, that we should think about. Why did God say, listen to them? Why didn't God just say, don't listen to them? Go back and tell them, no, we're not appointing a king. For some reason, this command, like, like and we had this in the Torah as well, when it says, when you want to go ahead and appoint a king, go ahead and appoint a king. Why is it that we get the impression that it's something that God really doesn't want but nonetheless, he accepts that the people will ask for it and says, go ahead and listen to them. And, it's, it's just, and this is something really you should, we should think about. And this is some things that we think about in our lives as well. Often, if we pray for something to God, like we pray, God, I want, I, I'm gonna, uh, please, uh, I want to get this job that's going to get this great paycheck. But meanwhile, the job involves a time commitment that takes you away from family, that takes you away from your own personal needs, and it involves being subservient to a boss who's really not nice. And, and, but the, the paycheck is just so tantalizing that you beg God, please, 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 I want it. And at some point, God may say, or at some point, if you try hard enough, you'll get the job, right? But you'll regret it later. Even with a big paycheck, it may not be worth it. Now over here, it's, it's, it kind of gives me a similar feeling, but it's something I want you to think about. Why is it that kings are no good, kings are things we should not have, but you're asking for it? Go ahead, do it. Vayomer. And he said, so Shmuel goes, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Vayomer Shmuel, this is verse 10, Es kol Shmuel went back to the people and he told them what God had said. The people who had asked him to appoint a king. In other words, he told them about how God said, you're rejecting me by asking for a king, right? So the people know that God himself said that they're being rejected, but that he should um, rule them anyway. And this is what's going to happen if you hire a king. And I want you to know the risks beforehand by Yomer. And he said, and remember, this is in the face of the people just told Shmuel that we don't want your sons to rule over us because they're corrupt. Well, you think they're corrupt? 
Listen to this, Vayomer, and he said, This is how this is going to be the justice, right? The kind of justice that you're going to get from a king, Asheim Lo who's going to rule over you. As he's going to take your sons away. And he is going to appoint them uh, over to be in charge of his chariots and his and, and his and his horses. They're going to run in front of his of his chariot. In other words, he's going to bring them into his army. And instead of being at home with you and helping you and being part of your family, they're going to join the king's army. Where do you think he's going to get an army from? He's going to take your sons. And he's going to appoint them as officers over a thousand of sorry chamishim and over fifty. And then what are they going to do with those officers? They're going to run the government. They're going to, they're going to harvest the king's fields. They're, I'm sorry, they're going to plow the king's fields. They're going to harvest the king's field. Some of them will be hired as, as weapons manufacturers. And they're going to be uh, manufacturers for, for his chariots. That's what he's going to do with your sons. And your daughters, he's going to take your daughters too. He's going to use them as uh, people as um, to make to make uh, uh, perfumes and spices, the tabachot, and as and as uh, cooks, ofot, and as bakers. He's going to take your sons and your daughters all in his service. He's going to take your from your fields. This means he's going to take from your grain. He's going to take from your vineyards. He's going to take from your olives. The best ones, he's going to take. And his servants will get them. So you won't enjoy the best of the fruits of your own fields. And all of your seeds and the fruits of your vineyards, he will take a tithe. He'll take taxes from your produce. And those taxes will be consumed by his uh, his assistants and his servants. Even your maids and your slaves and servants. And the best of your young men. This might mean the best of your young men who are slaves. Or this could mean the best of your young men who are your sons. And your donkeys, he will take and he will use them for his work. He will take tithes from your sheep. And the end of the story, you will be his servants. So you're making a, pointing a king in charge. In the end, you're going to end up being his servants. Now you're free. The only one you have to take tithes to is God. The only one you have to look to is God. But because you're looking for protection in an army, um, you're going to end up being servants. <coughs> and the truth is, we know historically, and we know this is the way it is, why do people um, appoint kings? Because kings offer protection. They offer protection from raiding enemies and so on. But there's a price to pay, and that price to pay is uh, your freedom. And what's going to happen? You're going to cry out, you're going to cry out to, because of your king, right? that you chose for yourselves, God's not going to answer you because you chose it for yourself. But the nation, the people, would not listen in Shmuel. And they said, no. We want to have a king rule over us. Again, that same statement. And this way, we will be like all the other nations around us. They're strong, they're powerful, they have armies, and that's why they threaten us. And 
and our king will rule over us he will go out before us and he can wage our wars so we can finally have someone defend us against these enemies and Shmuel heard all the words of the people and he went back to God and returned the message uh, the Talmud mentions uh, how important it is to return Clearly, obviously, God knew what the people answered, but we learn from this the lesson how important it is to return the, uh, the, the tidings. If someone sends you on a mission, you should always go back to that person uh, and tell them that you fulfilled the mission. Um, and God said to Shmuel once again, because Shmuel obviously, apparently was still hoping God would say no, but he says no. Listen to what they ask. Listen to their voice. And you can go ahead and appoint for them a king. And now Shmuel said to the people of Israel, Go home to your towns. I got to think. I got to figure this out. Uh, I'm not going to appoint a king today. Uh, give me time to work on it. Go home. I'll get this straightened out for you. And that's how this chapter ends. And the, this is the beginning of the new uh, portion of Shmuel, which is the search for a hereditary king. Thank you so much for studying chapter 8 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 9 and of course the rest of this wonderful book of Shmuel together.